0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, so how many are ready to receive the word today? Amen, a few of you. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray, and then we'll dig into the scripture. Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We thank you that it changes us and it shapes us. You always speak to us by your word, I ask that we'd have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome, so we're uh, coming towards the end of our series on prayer, and uh, we've been talking about all the different types of prayer, and last week we started talking about the prayer of faith, which we're going to finish speaking about today, and we're going to start today in Matthew, or sorry, Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 11. And I really love uh, when the scripture reading, I love seeing the, um, the life of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus in scriptures. Now, we know that Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. All right. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways, just as we are, yet without sin. So some of the temptations that you've experienced, Jesus has experienced when he was on the earth, but then he didn't yield to that temptation. All right. And we're going to start in verse 11. It says, and Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. How many have ever been hungry? I mean, hungry. I mean, you, you really, really want to eat. And uh, Jesus is a hungry guy. And, and when you're hungry, you're irritated easily. How many understand that? You know, I've come home. Sometimes you come home, and it doesn't matter if you're married, right? You have a spouse. It's not whether you're male or female. It's whoever gets home first makes supper for the other one, right? How many know what I'm talking about? And you come home, and you're irritated because you're hungry, and there's nothing in the fridge, right? How many have ever been there? And this is what happens with Jesus, we see here. And he came to the... And the next day when he was hungry, he saw this fig tree, and seeing it from afar... It had leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And here's the interesting thing. The the fig tree did nothing wrong, right? Because God has prepared seasons for fruit, and it was not the season for fruit. The fig tree wasn't doing anything wrong. It, It wasn't the season for figs. And Jesus came to it, and he realized there was no figs on the tree, and he was irritated. Like when you open the fridge and there's nothing in it, right? Man, there's no, there's no figs. And I find this interesting because we just had, uh, Lori just got me these two new plants the other day and she brought them up. They're fig trees. I didn't know that, but these are fig trees. Isn't that neat? And she had no idea I was going to be talking about this. And so let's see what happens here. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, Jesus has a right to do that. He made the fig tree, so he just was having a bad day. He was hungry. He was irritated, and he cursed the fig tree. All right? And then we see here his disciples heard it. We see in verse 14. And then verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem when Jesus went out into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wars into the temple. And he taught them saying, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so I I wanted to read this passage because uh, some would say that Jesus was angry. How many think Jesus was angry when he went into the temple? He was irritated with the tree. He went into the temple and then he was angry. We see the humanity. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. And so Jesus was righteous. Jesus was always loving, but he wasn't always nice. And somehow we've come to equate being nice as being righteous. How many hear what I'm saying? Now, we're to be loving. We're supposed to be caring of people. We're not supposed to be angry with people. But what's the most important thing we understand is that righteousness is different than being nice. There's lots of really, really nice people that are in hell. They were nice, but they weren't righteous. And there's a lot of not so nice people who are righteous who are in heaven. And I say that because the Bible says that we will suffer persecution. And the reason why we suffer persecution is we come with, with a message that sometimes doesn't seem very nice according to our culture. How can you say there's only one way to God? How can you say that a loving God would send people to hell? How would you say, that's not very nice? And so we were like, well, we don't want to offend people. We want, we want to be nice because we're righteous. No, we have to be righteous before we're nice. Can you hear what I'm saying? And Jesus wasn't always this lovey-dovey. He was loving, but he wasn't always nice. He was upset. Be angry, but do not sin. It's an emotion. That was just my little irritant for the week, but now we're going to move on. Let's go down to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So we're going to read on here. Now in the morning as they passed by, this is verse 20, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter remembered, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Very interesting what Jesus is telling them. He's saying, you have to have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says that this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatsoever things he says. Is that what it says? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And we see this word, Jesus says, for assuredly I say unto you. In other words, he says, this is for sure. You can take this to the bank. This is the spiritual principle that works. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, he will have whatsoever things he says. So Jesus is saying, you can speak to the mountains and they'll move. I didn't say it, Jesus says it. But I want to bring, bring everything into context. How many know context is very important? right? So the first thing we need to understand is you only have authority over your own life and circumstances. We've all been given a metron, that is a sphere of influence. So as a pastor, I've been given a a sphere of influence. I can influence and pray for and have authority over members of the church in a good way, like I can pray protection and I can speak into your life, right? As a parent, you have authority over your family, over your health, over your business, over your job, you have a sphere sphere of influence that you can have authority or a metron in that area. Does that make sense? And you can speak to mountains, you can speak to problems, you can pray and believe things within your metron, okay? But you don't have the right, okay, um, to violate someone else's will with prayer. So for example, you say, God, I just pray and I believe right now that she'll really have a crush on me. I just believe, God, that she's going to love me, right? You can't pray that because God will never violate someone else's will, right? Oh, I just pray that that person will come to my church because Pastor Travis is awesome. They need to sit under his teaching. No, no, you can't violate people's will. When you're praying for others, you always have to pray, Lord, if it be thy will, Father, would you work in this situation? I remember when I called, met my wife. I didn't say, by faith, she's my wife, and I just declare that she's going to be mine, and I believe I have it, so I, I can't pray that way because I would violate her will. So I pray, Lord, if it be thy will, I'd really like her. Would you set us up? <laughs> Amen? You have to pray if it be thy will. But then in my own area of influence, my my own health, my own finances, my own, you know, breakthroughs that I need, my, you know, I have authority to speak to mountains. I have authority to pray and believe for the things that God says are already mine, according to his word. And so you can't violate someone's will with your faith, amen? And another thing is you can't violate someone's metron, like, for example, we could get together as a church and we say, okay, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And we're going to believe together that the war of Ukraine will be finished at midnight tonight. And we'll pray a prayer of agreement. So we'll all get together. God, we just declare that the war in Ukraine will be done at midnight. And we thank you that it's done. We believe we receive it. and We're going to have it. Chances are in the morning, the war's still going on. Because there's a metron of authority we do not have. There's political wars going on. There's issues going on. There's generals. There's leaders. And that's their responsibility. Now, what we can do is get together and pray, Lord, would you bring an end to this? We're praying that you'll divinely intervene. But you can't pray a prayer of faith over something that's outside your sphere of influence. Right. Amen? And that's where some people have falling, fall into the ditch. Oh, I'm married to so-and-so by faith. No, you're not. You cannot do that Amen? So number one, you've been given an area of influence that that you have faith in. And number two, your faith only works in accordance to God's will. People forget that. And so we see here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to whose will? His will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So in order to receive, you know, know that we can have faith and speak to certain situations and claim certain promises, we have to know what his will is, because it has to be according to his will for it to work. It's not a name and claim it. You know, I want a Ferrari. Lord, I just declare that I'm going to have a Ferrari in my driveway tomorrow, and I, I believe it, so I'll receive it. And God will speak back to me and say, get a job. If you want a Ferrari, save your money. Right? How many hear what I'm saying? But there's promises that I can believe God for because the Bible says he will meet all my needs according to his riches. Right? So we have to know the will of God. How do we know the will of God? We learn it through listening to his word, reading his word through prayer. God begins to speak to us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 and 16, it says this. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. Now, we talk about this in Highway to Wholeness quite a bit. Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? You think, why am I thinking that? That's stupid. That's your spirit, who you are, thinking about what you're thinking about. And the world would call it the subconscious mind. We know it's the mind of your spirit, thinking about what you're thinking about. So no one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit... And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Knows the thoughts of God. Now look at this next verse. And we have received God's spirit. Not of the world. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Isn't that good? So I can know the will of God. And the will of God is for me to prosper and to be in health, even as my soul prospers. So I can speak the word. I can declare the promises of God. I can believe for the things that I know the scripture says I have. Does that make sense? Let's go to the next verse here. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Just go right to 2.16. For we have known the mind of the Lord... Okay, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then Paul says, but we, say we, We. have the mind of Christ. So here's the question, I want you to answer it. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? And your answer is, I can. Well, how can you know the Lord's thoughts? Because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And if you'd spend time in prayer and you spend time in the word and you talk to God, God will tell you about things to come in your life, right? God wants to reveal the plans that he has for you in the secret place. See, God speaks to you. He speaks to me concerning my life's blueprint, your life's blueprint, right? Right? God speaks to you concerning His will in your metron, the sphere of events. God wants you to do this. He wants you to do that. And He begins to speak to you by His spirit, and He wants you to do this or that. And He puts a pathway in front of you. OK? But then the enemy works to sabotage the purposes of God in your life. How many have ever had that happen? It's like you're going down the path that you feel God wants you on. you're, you're going, all of a sudden there's a mountain sitting in the pathway. It's going to take me forever to get over the mountain or I'll have to go around the mountain. It's a problem and it's hindering me to get from getting where I need to go. How many have ever experienced that? And that's a demonic mountain that's been put in your way. And when Jesus talks about removing mountains, he's talking about obstacles where the enemy comes to sabotage. You can speak to those mountains and tell them to go. Right? pick yourself up and be cast into the sea. And Jesus understood the disciples are going to have to face spiritual warfare as they're going in journey on mission and they're going to have to know how to speak to the mountains and that's what he's talking to them about. Okay? Mark chapter four, verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, They said to Jesus, let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up with water. Okay. But he was in the stern asleep on the pillow. I don't know how he slept through that, but he was sleeping through it. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And you know, have you ever been in that place? It's like you're you're going where you feel God's told you to go. He told them, We're going to the other side, get in the boat. So you're you're going in the path that God has ordained for you. You're doing what you're told, and all of a sudden there's a storm. You wake up and you're depressed. You lose your job and you don't have finances to start the Bible school course you were going to take. Whatever the problem is, there's a problem that's in the pathway. There's a mountain there. And you're like, don't you even care, God, that I'm drowning? Don't you even care that there's a mountain in my way? Do something, Jesus. Do something. And you start praying about a problem. And look what Jesus says to them. And he awoke and he said... They said, teacher, don't you know that we're perishing? Don't don't you want to help? And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Right? And when the wind ceased, there was a great calm. But he, he had said to them, why are you so fearful? O ye of little faith. How is it that you have no faith? You know, when we're overwhelmed with fear in the midst of the storm, it's because we need more faith. Amen? We need to have faith in God. That, and the thing is, Jesus was, was irritated with them because he was like, he rebuked them and he said, where's your faith? In other words, he was expecting them to recognize this is an assignment that's set against us and you need to speak to it. You need to command it to go. Because see, what was happening was that boat was crossing and the scripture says as soon as they touched the other side and they got out of the boat, they were met by the demoniac who had a thousand demons. And God was going to set that man free. And you know all the the story where all the demons went into the pigs and the pigs went off the cliff? God was about to do that and the devil didn't want it to happen. So he sent a storm. And that's why Jesus said, when mountains come, assignments of the enemy come against you, you have the authority to speak to that mountain and go, get out of here in the name of Jesus. God has spoken to me. He's revealed his will for me. And I'm going in this direction. I know the will of God. This is not part of it. Get out. Amen? So we need to learn to speak to the issues that the enemy sets against us. Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 talks about us speaking to the mountains, believing that what we say will be done. That has to do with spiritual warfare, right? Those that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils. So... You, you never pray to the devil, you just speak to it. You say, go in the name of Jesus. You cast it out, you drive it out of your life. But then you pray to God, right? Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, it will be done for him. But then when you come praying, believe that what you ask for, you will receive and you will have it. So we see prayer in the second part of that verse. So, You need to realize that God wants to meet your needs. How many know God wants to meet your needs? He might not always meet your wants, because sometimes you want things that you don't really need. But he'll always meet your needs. How many know you need to have a job to put money, food on the table? Money on the table would be good too, but food, right? You need to have an inheritance for your grandkids. You need to have a retirement plan. You have to, so you need finances. That's a need to have finances to live in our economy, right? So that's a need. You can pray about that. You can believe God for that, right? You need your health. God doesn't want you all crippled up. He's got an assignment for you. You need health in your body. You can believe God for health. There's things that you need in life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Right? Let's go to the next verse. 620. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Right? See, Jesus says in this little passage over seven times, says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, God will provide, God will provide, God will provide, because worry is fear. Fear of tomorrow, fear of lack, fear of not having enough. So in spiritual warfare, they were afraid of the storm, and Jesus said, don't be fearful, be in faith. It's just the enemy attacking, but don't be fearful, speak to the problem. In this situation, there's a fear of not having enough, a fear of tomorrow, a fear that there's not going to be enough provision. And Jesus says, don't worry, you of little faith. So anytime there's fear in your life, it's a sign that we got to get our faith built up. We need to get into the Bible. What does God say about me? What does God say about my situation? And we, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God doesn't say faith comes by CNN. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say that here. Faith comes by the word of God. As we hear his word and it gets deep in us and we believe it, faith is built up. Isn't that good? And um, worry is really a sign of fear. In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to finish with this little story. This is one of my favorites. How many love the stories in the New Testament, eh? Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 34. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She was very sick. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. So she spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Maybe some of you are in that place, like you've tried everything in the natural and, and, and the answer didn't come, the solution didn't come. You're still sick, you're still struggling, you're still broke, you're still going through issues. There's a problem here and she's suffering. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And verse 28 is really the prayer of faith that she prayed. And it was a silent prayer, but it was in her heart. How many of you know God looks at the heart? Sometimes our, our prayers don't have to be loud because God's a heart reader. He reads our heart. It's not our words. It's our heart. And look what she said. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She had predetermined that if I get near Jesus and I touch him, uh, the power of God is going to come into me. Because she realized that as he went out and laid hands on the sick, that somehow power came out of him that brought healing to others. And she said, listen, I am a woman with an issue of blood. It's against the law. I don't know if you know this in Hebrew culture. If you have bleeding, you cannot be in public places. They will stone you back then. It's like she, she had to be quarantined away from the crowd. She could not be where the people were. She's like, how am I going to get in? If I go and say, Jesus, would you please pray for me? I'll take my, my, my shawl off and they will say, there's a woman. She's an issue of blood. Grab a stone. And she started, she was like, how am I going to get my healing? Because I cannot let people know it's me. So she came all disguised up. She probably was covered. And she was creeping in there into the crowd to touch him. She said, this is my strategy. If I can only touch him, I'll be healed. And let's read what happened here. So she touches him. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. Say immediately. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had been sucked out of him, drawn out of him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And now the disciples said, uh, you see the multitudes that are thronging you. Have you ever seen when a celebrity comes to town and they come down the red carpet and they got the, the two little, you know, rope lines and, and you come in and everyone's like, oh, and they're all trying to touch the celebrity. They're, pressing up against because they want to get close to their idol, right? Jesus was a celebrity. Everybody wanted to touch him. Because this celebrity, celebrity, I mean, he had power. They just wanted to get close to the Messiah. We just want to touch him. And, And the disciples said, they're all pressing up against you, Jesus. What are you talking about? And he said, no, somebody touched me different. Somebody touched me with faith. And... Jesus immediately knowing in himself power had gone out of him turned and said, Who touched me? And the disciples said, People are thronging you. What are you talking about? How? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. And he looked around to see her who had done the thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. She was fearing and trembling because she didn't want anyone to recognize her because she had an issue of blood. Did you ever see that before? She was hiding. And she was fearing and trembling. And what had happened to her, and she came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And I just really think that another word for faith is expectation. And if we came with expectations, you know, I'm coming to church today, and when I start to sing, I'm going to experience your presence, God. It's like we all have a little switch inside of us. It's called the switch of faith, and we turn it on. It's kind of like when, when I turn the switch on uh, for my lights, the power flows through to the lights. That's what faith is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He's also a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you say, you know, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to enter into the presence of God. And you come in, and you worship God, and God shows up because you believe he's going to show up. You have the switch of faith turned on. And everybody else says, I didn't feel the presence of God today. And you're like, what are you talking about? I was in Glory Land, man. What are you talking about? Turn the switch of faith on. Wherever two or more are gathered, there He is in our midst. It doesn't matter if they're playing a banjo on stage or if they're, you know, they're a bunch of monks humming in the background or we got modern worship. It doesn't matter. Where two or more are gathered, we're here to worship the Lord. We turn the switch of faith on and God shows up. Isn't that good? I'm expecting God to do something in my life. I know, you know, my marriage is a mess and we've been struggling and we've taken counseling and we've done this and that. But you know what? I I believe that, God, you're able to intervene. I believe that you're able to come and change the hearts within us so that we can love one another again. I've been struggling to get a job, but I know, God, you have a job for me. And I believe that that job's going to come. I'm going to go out and hand out my applications. And I trust that there's a job coming because your word says you're my provider. And you begin to speak the word. You begin to call those things that be not as they are, as though they are. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Father, help us. Help our unbelief. Help us to be people who keep the switch of faith turned on. That we come with expectation. I'm expecting change. I'm expecting you to speak to me every time I open the book. I'm expecting you to visit my un saved children and family members with dreams. I'm, I'm expecting it, God. And when we expect, the power of God is released into the situation. Help us to be those that trust you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.